I don't have the solutions. I can't get it there on my own. But God, I need you to fill me up. God, I need you to, to fill me up, Lord. God, I need it to overflow in every facet, in every area of my life, God. I, I need it to show up everywhere I am, God. I need to, when I'm driving, God, I need you to fill me. God, when I'm at work, I need you to fill me. When I'm with my friends, I need you to, to fill me. When I'm with my family, God, I need you to fill me, God. Everywhere I am, because I, I don't have it all, God. I, I keep messing up, and I keep falling, and I, I keep failing, and, and I've tried it on my own, but, but God, I know where my help cometh from. And so, for God, this morning, I'm going to lift up my head unto the hills, because I know that's where you'll be, God. I, I know you'll be able to answer me, God. I know you'll be on my side. And so right now I'm asking that God you fill me up this morning. Come on, somebody just sing it. Just, just sing it out. Just sing it as a prayer, God. Fill me up, Lord. Fill me up, Lord. Fill me up, Lord. I need you, God. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. Jesus. Jesus. God, you are still able to do exceeding and abundant. of some moms in this room some dads, some husbands some wives some individuals in this room that are tired of trying it on their own your word says that you will never leave us nor forsake us But it says you'll go with us until the very ends of the age. God, this morning, continue to fill us. Continue to let it run down from the top of our heads to the sole of our feet. Continue to allow it roll and run before us. that it's greeting us in every circumstance, that your presence and power is greeting us in every room, in every moment. God, allow us as a church to seek after your presence more than anything else, to fill us up so much that when we leave, every interaction 
we leave a residue of your power. That everywhere we go, God, let us be so full that everything we touch, a remnant of your glory remains. So that when our friends, when our neighbors walk by, they feel your power. Let us be so full that our homes, that our neighborhoods, that our communities, that our world will never be the same. In Jesus' name. Is there anybody in agreement this morning? Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. It's good to be here. It's good to see all of you. This morning, I'm going to pull my text from... I'm only going to spend a little bit of time here, actually. It's only going to be a second. Just a second. But John chapter 15. Any of you that have been around for a while and heard me preach, there's a couple of things that I go back to. I think I did like, I don't even know, like five months of sermons on Esther. Like just, just, just couldn't leave it. That's one. But John chapter 15 is one that I just can, I always, the Lord is always bringing me back to. And so for just a minute, I'm going to read from John 15, starting in verse 15. And this is Jesus speaking. He says, I no longer call you slaves because the slave master relationship, there's no confidence. There's no, uh, I, the, the slave is not let in on the secret and, and is not, uh, there's nothing revealed to them. And so it says that because the master doesn't confide, confide in his slaves, now you are my friends. Since I've told you everything, now you know everything. You know it all. So now you're my friends. But let me tell you, and this is verse number 16. This is where I want to, he says, let me, let me tell you something. I want to I I preface this conversation about friendship like, like this isn't a mutual relationship in the sense that like you saw me and liked me and then I liked you and then, you know, we, we went and, you know, uh, had some appetizers together and we felt each other out and everything was good. No, he says, that's not how this went. He says, you did not choose me. You had nothing to do with this. You didn't choose me, I chose you. He says, I, select, I, I sought you out, I, and so this relationship is really because you are so valuable and important to me. You, I chose you, and I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. And so, now that we've got that straight, now that you understand, he says this, this is my command, love each other. So this morning, for just a second, I'm going to talk about the blessings in a broken kingdom. The blessings 
inside of a broken kingdom. Jesus is having this conversation with the disciples. He's sharing with them uh, some, some, uh, some key important information about how things are going. He says, I've revealed to you all the things that are going to happen. I've told you all of this. You all know, so like you're not you know, in the dark anymore, so that brings an intimacy to this relationship. But understand, I made the decision to do that. You did not make that decision. You did not force this. You did not make this happen. You didn't somehow navigate and manipulate this. You weren't good enough for this. Like you weren't right enough. You weren't smart enough, you weren't educated enough, you weren't rich enough, poor enough, status enough, like none of that. You didn't select this, I chose you. And so now that I put this thing in motion, I'm asking you and I'm telling you, for this to work, you've got to love each other. For all of this, for this to come about the way that it needs to, you've got to love each other. You see, because Jesus is then, he's, he's setting things up and he's putting things in, in order, he's creating a system that makes sense. And as I'm reading this, I like this because I'm per, a person that likes systems. I'm a person that likes order. I'm a person that like, gets all weird when there's chaos. Like when, when things are not done right, when things are disorganized, I get a little, you know, spastic. I start glitching out. You see, if you start seeing me twitching, you know something ain't going right. Okay? Help a brother out, all right? If you see something, straighten it up just a little bit when you see me twitching, right? Because that's when I, I don't like, because you know what, I understand, like we live in a busy world, we are busy people, we need systems and things to make sure that things function correctly. Like I've gone to some of your houses and I see the big old organizational system, the big old calendar where you, things are in different colors and, and highlighted and things and, and this is where you're supposed to be at this time and this person's supposed to be here and this person's supposed to be there. And so at work, um, we have one of these in our, in our main office and the, the secretary, she is meticulous about making sure that everything is where it's supposed to be. And I appreciate that. I really do. It's got charts and it's got times and it's got things, these little um, button things that you can move around and it's wonderful. But on the other side, like I, I really do love organization. I really do love like systems. Like this is how we function. But on the other side, I like to touch things. Like there is not one button that you can put in front of me that I promise you will not be touched. And like I'm not talking about like I'm gonna get on your nerves and press those buttons, even though I will do that too. But like a nice, good button, like what does this do? I was one time in someone's classroom and I was just sitting and I was observing. It's not my space. You're supposed to be respectful. You're supposed to keep your hands to yourself. But right by the door, there's a big old red button. You should never put a big old red button within arm's reach of me. Because I just want to know, what does the red button do? And so I went and I moseyed on over while the teacher was teaching, slowly, stood by the door, and I looked at the button. I just looked at it. Something in me said, touch the button. Put my hands in my pockets. Kids were working, I, teacher was teaching, and I was standing and looking at the button. And I was like, you know, like I could just kind of touch the button. I won't press the button, let me just touch the button. And again, my better angel said, don't touch that button. So I didn't touch the button. 
She kept teaching, and I was like, okay, I better leave, because this is getting stressful for me. It's good. Anybody ever have some of those internal battles? Those internal struggles? <laughs> those ones that cause you to sweat, and people are like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> you don't know the sight, I. <laughs> Struggling. <laughs> Let me tell you, your boy won because I walked out without touching the button. Listen, I deserve it. Thank you for whoever half-clapped. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Hallelujah. Because she knows what it's like to struggle not touching the button. But let me tell you this. When all the teaching was done and the students were, were gone, I definitely went back and touched that button. I definitely went back and just hit that button. And I really shouldn't have because it shut down the whole classroom. It was not good. It was not good. But she had now, like now, if you glass case around the button and a sign. <laughs> I've always wanted a plaque. I've always wanted one. Not this way. But now there has to be a system. There's a process. And I'm grateful for that process. I'm grateful. And so we find in this scripture that Jesus is talking about the system. For this to function correctly, there are things you have to do. There are things that have to take place. A few weeks ago, we celebrated Easter, and it was beautiful. We celebrated the You see, and Jesus has revealed to them. He says, I've told you all of this. I told you what was going to happen. And so as he's giving them this, 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 this understanding, he's like, I'm about to, like, listen, I'm about to bring about this kingdom. I'm about to do something incredible. We're about to turn this upside down. And his followers are so excited and they're celebrating because they're excited that he's going to come and restore the kingdom. But unbeknownst to them, they misunderstood. He told them, but they didn't listen. You see, because they thought that they were going to, that Jesus was going to come and take the throne, that they would now be in charge, that all the issues and the problems that they had to endure before were going to be over, because the king of the Jews, the king who's there, the one who is going to now make everything right, is he's here, it's Jesus. And so we find that, that there's frustration and there's, there's heartache and there's, there's, there's trouble and there's trial because they misunderstood. They see Jesus getting beaten. They see Jesus being persecuted. They see all of these things and there's so much heartache because they're like, listen, wasn't this the one that's supposed to make it all right? And so we find in John 18, 1833, it says, then Pilate went back, and so this is when Jesus, he's on trial. It says, when Pilate went back into the headquarters and he called for Jesus to be brought to him, and he says, aren't you king of the Jews? Isn't that who you are? And so Jesus replied, is this something you're asking, or did somebody tell you this? Somebody asked you to tell me this? And then Pilate gets frustrated and says, I'm not a Jew. Am I a Jew? This ain't nothing to do with me. Your people, he says that your people, your own people, their leading priests, they brought you to me for trial. Why? What have you done? Verse number 36, it says, Jesus answered. He says, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. You see, everyone thought that he was going to make everything right here on earth. But Jesus says, like, listen, my kingdom, 
The one I've been talking to them about, the one I've been trying to, to get them to realize it's not an earthly, earthly kingdom. Because if it was an earthly kingdom, my, father, my, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this world. You see, Jesus was trying to get us to understand uh, he's not coming to save this. Because this Roseanne, this is broken. And you see, Jesus is not going to reign over that which is broken. He says, because if this was my kingdom, there'd be riots, there'd be fighting, they'd, like, this wouldn't be happening, there'd be bloodshed, there'd be issues and there'd be stuff, there'd be conflict. Like this isn't my, this, this isn't the kingdom I'm talking about. You see, but here's the issue. We are so used to and comfortable with that type of kingdom. We go and we live our lives in that sort of a kingdom. A kingdom that's reigned and ruled by chaos and frustration. A, ki a, a kingdom that is, is, is saturated by conflict. We exist in an environment, in a kingdom that is full of strife and issues and problems. If we turn on the news, I was gonna say open up the newspaper. Did y'all see me do that? I was about to. <laughs> when you turn on the news, we know what it's like to live in a broken kingdom. I've had so many conversations over the last couple of weeks about frustrations, about anger, about failures. We know what it's like to live in a broken kingdom. We know what it's like to then just put band-aids on things and hope that things get better. We know what it's like to tiptoe around things so that it just doesn't explode. That's what it's like to live in a broken kingdom. When you're living just to make it another day, when you're just like, if I can just make it through today, you know you're living in a broken kingdom. Because the kingdom of God, he says that I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. He says that you are the head and not the tail. He says that he called us mighty more below because we're existing in a broken kingdom. And so we do what we can to survive in this broken kingdom. We do good things. We serve, we give, we show up on Sunday, we speak life to those around us, we instill goodness in our children, we work to, to provide for our families, we help those that are in need. These are good things, but let me ask you this, has there anybody that has ever done these good things? and been repaid with pain? Anybody? Anybody ever tried your best to live your best life and reaped sorrow? 
Anybody ever tried to walk the, the path, the straight and narrow path, and looked up one day and you have scars because of it? Anybody ever been there? That's how you know that you are still living in a broken kingdom. When you've done everything you can to stand, and you've still been knocked down, that's the evidence of a broken kingdom. And Brother Carl, I don't know about you. We've spent lots of time together over the years, and you've spoken so much wisdom into my life. And so maybe this isn't for you. Maybe like you've overcome this. But for me, I've struggled with the concept that I can do everything I can, and it still not be enough. I've struggled with the idea that I can live a good life and still bad things happen. I've struggled with this concept and this idea that there's no way for me to be good enough. And the reason is because we live in a broken Brother Anthony, there's not enough systems I can put in place to fix this kingdom. There's not enough good things that I can do to fix this kingdom. This kingdom is broken. But let me tell you this. There is hope in the midst of a broken kingdom. Peter said it this way. He says in 1 Peter chapter 4, he says, don't be shocked. Don't be surprised when you are, uh, when fiery trials you are going through. Don't, don't be shocked at this. Don't act like this is something strange and out of the ordinary. This is, don't be shocked. Because we understand that this life is, was it, few days and full of trouble. Here's what happens the evidence of a broken kingdom. David. How many of you know David? Anybody know David? David. Called a man after God's own heart. A man anointed by Samuel to be king. He didn't have the look, the traditional stature of a king. His family didn't even select him. His family, the, Samuel's like, okay, uh, Jesse, bring me, bring me your boys. One of them God wants to be to raise up his king. One of them, there's something special about him. Jesse brings them all. And Samuel's like, you got anybody else? Because this ain't it. Jesse's like, oh yeah, well, I got this little one. He get on my nerves. So I put him way away. Maybe somebody go find him. Didn't have a lot of stature, didn't have a lot of reputation. But God saw something in him. God placed something in him. God spoke something over him. God poured out an anointing on him to be king. And you see, we know when we understand that David's journey to the throne was not easy. He had to endure the taunts of Goliath. 
He had to endure the fact that his brothers are like, yo, what are you doing? Why are you here? You're too small. You're too, listen, we've got this. Go on back home. He had to endure a king that tried to do everything he can to snuff him out, to kill him, to destroy him. He had to run, literally run for his life, live in caves, be surrounded by failure, hung out with the worst and the least of these. But all the while, God blessed him and anointed him. Until one day, God placed him on the throne. And you see, for us, that is the culmination of, of, of that, that's, that's the victory, that's the, the high point of the story. We can celebrate and we can shout the fact that he's fulfilled the call of God, that God has done something incredible. Don't you know that there is nothing too hard for our God? Don't you understand that, that even though you are running for your life, if you've got a call on your life, God will never forsake you. This is it. And I believe that with every ounce of my being. But oftentimes what we think is the mountaintop experience is just another blip in the journey that God has us on in this broken kingdom. You see, because we're looking at David and we're finding him in a moment where things should be good. He's now got all the power. If you go just a little bit further, we find how quickly power shifts in a broken kingdom. In 2 Samuel chapter 16, Starting in verse number five, we find a different circumstance for David. It says, as David came to Baharam, a man came out of the village cursing them. And you see, let me tell you what's happening. David's son Absalom had plotted to undermine David for years. David's own flesh and blood, his son, worked against him for years to the point where he drove him out. And let me tell you this. In a broken kingdom, the response to someone taking your rightful place is to fight. That's what Jesus said. He says, my kingdom's not an earthly kingdom. If it was, my followers would fight. Remember that? John 15. But now, we're finding that David isn't fighting. It says he's running. And so it says that we find that a guy named Shimei, a son of Jerah, came from the same clan as Saul's family. And it says that he threw stones at the king and the king's officers and all the mighty warriors who surrounded him. He says, get out of here, you murderer, you scoundrel. He shouted at David. The Lord is paying you back for the bloodshed of Saul's clan. You, you stole his throne. And, and now the Lord has given you, given it to your son Absalom. At last you will taste some of your own medicine, for you are a murderer. Why should this dead dog curse the Lord? One of David's warriors. Let me go off and cut his head. Look at this response. David says, no, 
Who asked your opinion? If the Lord has told him to curse me, who are you to stop him? Then David said to Abishai and to all the servants, my own son is trying to kill me. Doesn't this relative of Saul have even more of a reason to do so? Leave him alone and let him curse me, for the Lord has told him to do it. Can you see the brokenness in this kingdom? Does anybody see the dysfunction in this kingdom? The king who had been anointed by God is on the run. The king who had been anointed by God is being cursed by one of the relatives that God told David to replace. The king's servants are so frustrated because they want to respond in a way that is fitting a broken kingdom. They want to respond, listen, this is not right, this is an injustice, there's no reason, look at it, he's so small, we defeated them before, how about we fight and defeat him again? That's what it looks like to respond in a broken kingdom. But you wonder why David was called a man after God's own heart? Because he realized something. He realized, this is not my kingdom. This is not what God has called me to, this broken kingdom. God has called me to something bigger than this broken place we are in. We're in this broken space. We're in this place where things don't make sense. We're in this place of dysfunction and chaos. We're here, but God has called me to something bigger than this. So I can't respond the same way that my flesh tells me to respond that circumstances tell me to respond because then I'm giving in to a broken kingdom. But perhaps the Lord will see that I'm being wronged and he'll bless me even in the midst of this brokenness. Even in the midst of dysfunction, even in the midst of having to go and try and, and struggle and, and fight and, and things happen to me that don't make sense and, and things that shouldn't go about, things that shouldn't take place, they still take place. Even though I have to endure that, there's blessing in the midst of this brokenness. And so if we respond in a way that is fitting the broken kingdom, will never receive the blessings from the one who has the heavenly kingdom. There are so many times when we're trying to figure out why it is that we're stuck in stuff. I would ask you, are you responding in a way that is fitting the broken kingdom? Are you looking at the circumstances and the situations of your life and are you responding in a way that is natural inside of a broken kingdom? Because if you do, I promise you, it works for a moment, but will ultimately lead to frustration. Because this isn't the kingdom that God has us here for. 
This is not the kingdom that God has called me for. God has called me to something bigger than this broken kingdom. God has called me to something greater than this broken kingdom. God has called me to something mightier and stronger than longer lasting than this broken kingdom. And so if I'm living my life just for this broken kingdom, there's going to be an expiration date for all that I'm going to be able to accomplish. But if I lift up my head just a little bit, and if I say, God, I know I'm in the brokenness, God, I know brokenness surrounds me, but greater is he that is within me than that brokenness and the blessings, the things that are all around me. If I lift it up just a little bit, be able to see the blessings. And so David and his men, it says, continued down the road. And it says that Shimei kept pace with them side by side. Every step they took, painful step, shame-filled step, frustrated step, there's some anger and some bitterness. Why do we have to do this? Why do we have to go through this? Why are my children acting this way? Why doesn't my marriage, why do I have to experience this in my marriage? We're going through this step by step, and it says that Shimei kept pace with them. I don't know about you, but, but there have been times in my life where I'm struggling through some things and I'm just trying to keep on moving, but it keeps on that struggle and that strife and that issue and that problem just keeps on coming. Just step by step with me. You're no good. You don't have it. What's going on with you? Why do you think that you can make it? Why do you think that you've got something better in store for you? Why do you think that you can survive? Don't you know what you've done? Don't you know where you've been? Don't you know what's happened to you? Don't you know where your family has been? Don't you know? And every step of the way it says, Shimmy, I kept pace, cursing and throwing rocks and dirt and David and stones, but we find that David said nothing. Why? Because even in the midst of brokenness, David said, there's blessing right here. There are some of you that have found yourself in the valley of the shadow of death. You see, that's what shadows do. They just follow you. It's all around you. You just can't escape. You know what it's like to just look and say, oh, it's there again. You know what it's like. Uh, Sister Sunday, you're just trying to outrun it, but it's still there. That guilt, it's still there. That memory, it's still there. That issue, it's still there. It's still there. Just doing everything you can to survive, but it's still there. But let me tell you, there's blessing even when it's there. There's hope even when it's there. Let me tell you just a couple of things. In 1 Thessalonians 4 and 13, we find that the writer says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know that, the, that what will happen to believers who have died so that we will not grieve uh, like people who have no hope. We don't live the same way that people live in a broken world. We don't believe the same way that people believe in a broken world. We don't operate in the same way that people operate in a broken kingdom. Why? Because we have hope that is bigger than this brokenness. We've got things that we're looking forward to that's 
bigger than this brokenness. We've got expectations in the midst of the brokenness. We've got faith in the midst of this brokenness. I've got peace in the midst of this brokenness. I've got joy in my soul in the midst of this brokenness. And so I don't believe like others believe. I don't shout the way others shout. I don't mourn the way others mourn. Why? Because there's hope in the midst of brokenness. Lamentations chapter number 3 and verse 19. It says, their thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful, this awful time. It is always there. It is always around. It is still right there as I grieve over my loss. Yet still I dare to hope when I remember this. In verse number 2 it says, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. It says that great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh every morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope. Let me tell you, the brokenness is all around. The brokenness will not abate, but I still have hope. Why? Because great is your faithfulness. Someone say amen. First Corinthians chapter 15, we find that for sin is the sting that results in death and that the law gives sin its power, but thanks be to God. He gives us victory. Anybody grateful that you have victory in the middle of brokenness? Anybody grateful that you have power in the middle of brokenness? Anybody grateful that you're able to stand strong and mighty and victorious even in the midst of brokenness? Let me tell you. Musicians, you can come. Let me tell you this. Brokenness is a part of the world we live in. Chaos, confusion, frustration, it's part of the world in which we live. But let me tell you, that is not what I live for. That is not in whom I hope in. The things of this life aren't what get me through. The things of this world aren't what sustains me. But my hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, I believe without a shadow of a doubt that even in the midst of the brokenness in our kingdoms, the brokenness in our homes, the brokenness in our relationships, the brokenness in ourselves, I believe unequivocally that freedom is available. There's so many people, so many of us that are carrying the burden of brokenness. I've had so many conversations recently. Friends, church members, Christians, 
coworkers, strangers, were woven into the words is the brokenness. For just sadness, the heartache, the pain, the despair, the feeling of hopelessness. And I want to come today. They're playing, I'm almost done. I took my glasses off, so I can't even see my notes no more. It's over. Can't even see nothing. Can't even see y'all. I'm not taking another step because I can't see that step. I need someone to hear me today. Your brokenness is real. The brokenness we experience is reality because that's the world we live in. And we can do everything we can to try and bolster it and, and, and stick it up and just make it all look nice. And, but Peter says, don't be shocked. Stop acting like this is something that's strange. Trials are gonna happen. Struggles are happening. Issues and problems, conflict are going to happen. Why? Because you live in a broken kingdom. Jesus said, because you live in this world. But then he also said this. He says, take heart. For I've overcome the world. Hear me. A reaction to a broken kingdom looks like this. God, I'm going to get it together. And then I'm going to come and present myself as a good sacrifice. God, I'm going to try and fix this. Don't worry. I'm going to get better. God, I'm, I'm, God, I'm going to, I'm going to make it. It's okay. That's what it looks like. That's the response of a broken kingdom. But Jesus says, I didn't come. My kingdom's not earthly. He says, listen, Brother Todd, you didn't choose me. You didn't select me. There's nothing that you did to bring this about. So in the midst of your brokenness, there's nothing that I'm asking for you. I don't need anything from you because this is not about you. It's about my great love towards you. You can never get it right enough. You can never get it clean enough. You can never get it organized enough. You can never put enough systems in place enough to deserve all of this, the freedom, the peace that passes all understanding, the joy unspeakable. There's nothing you can do. 
But even in the midst of your brokenness, pour blessing on you and bring about fruit in your life. But believe this. John 15. Can you put up that last one for me, please? He says, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, by yourself in this broken system, in this broken kingdom, in this broken space, you will do nothing. You want freedom in your home? Get connected to the vine. You want joy that pervades everything that you do? Get connected to the vine. You want rest for your weary soul from the pelts of the enemy that are speaking just nonsense and negativity, just everywhere, just pervades everywhere, just an environment. But you want to be able to just look at it and say, you know what, Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. And to be able to just walk with your head held high. Some of you just want to just be like, I want to be able to just look myself in the mirror. Get connected to the vine. Because that's how you get blessings in the midst of a broken kingdom. That's how you get strength in the midst of a broken kingdom. This morning as we stand, I'm going to give a charge to some of you. Some of you I'm going to ask you to come because you know what it's like to just try and survive the brokenness. I'm going to invite you to come here in just a second. And there'll be some, some elders and some, some people that know what it's like to be broken. Anybody know what it's like to be broken? Anybody? Can we just get, come on, just somebody, you, just, you know, y'all know. Brother Anthony, this is what I've learned in my brokenness. I don't judge because I know what it's like to be broken. I know what it's like to have been doing the best I can with what I got and it still not be enough. I know what it's like to be at the end of my rope and these, you know, the, the ends don't meet. It's just at the end and they just, I can't, I'm doing everything I can to put them together. And so when I see other people, I don't judge. I love you. Paul said it this way. He said, for such were some of you. So let me tell you, this place right here is full of people that know what it's like to be broken. <laughs> You're looking at a man that knows intimately what it's like to live in a 
broken. So when I invite you to come, please, this is not to single you out. You can stay where you're at. You just come with your heart, that's fine. But I'm gonna invite you to give some things over, to say, God, I've been doing it on my own for too long. I need you. I need you. But there's someone else that I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk to, and I'm gonna call, and then I'm gonna challenge you. Go back to 2 Samuel for me. Go towards the end where it says that Shimei is following step by step. So it says that Shimei kept pace with them on a nearby hillside cursing and throwing stones and dirt. At David, because we have to remember, David's not by himself, is he? He's got a whole bunch of people following with him, protecting him, trying to fight. But the insight, the insults, and the ugliness being hurled at David. Verse 14. It says, And the king and all who were with him grew weary along the way. This is what happens when you're just fighting through brokenness. It is exhausting. It is taxing. It causes weariness. I was reading a book recently and was talking about this idea, not specifically this. I called it slumped shoulder syndrome. You just, it's exhausting trying to fight through brokenness. And so as they rested when they reached the Jordan River. You see, I always found this interesting because David could have charged them to kill Shimei. David could have told them just, okay, like we're done with this. I can see that it's affecting you. I can see that it's impacting you. So go and kill him, get him out of here, and then we'll keep going. But David understood that number one, he's not alone. There are people with him. There are people fighting with him. There are people that are aligned with him. There are people that need him to show them. It's not about this brokenness. There are some of you that are fighting not for your life. But there are some people that are connected to you that are in desperate need of a reminder that this brokenness you're experiencing, this isn't the end of your story. This isn't the end of the journey. God has a plan and a purpose for this brokenness. God has a victory for you in this brokenness. Why was David able to fight through the weariness and the exhaustion? Because he's been here before. 
He knows what it's like to experience defeat. He knows what it's like to be dejected. He knows what it's like to be insulted. So he knows that he can keep on walking. He knows that he can keep on trusting. He knows he can keep on just journeying on because God will be there for him in the end. So he needed, but he's not just journeying for him, but there's someone that needs to be reminded. So there are some of you you may not even know it but because of your commitment to the cause of Jesus Christ and him crucified for you saying I will not be ashamed of the gospel for you saying as for me you can stay in the brokenness but as for me and my house. I'm going to invite you this morning because it wasn't just those that were following him that needed that rest, but it says the king and all who were with him needed that rest. I'm going to invite you to come and just spend a minute in the rest of Jesus Christ because that's how we make it the next step in our journey. So they're about to sing. They've been up here for a minute. They're about to sing. I'm going to invite you from wherever you are. Like I said, there'll be some leaders. Leaders, can you be dispersed a little bit throughout today? I'm happy to pray with you. I'm happy to come and pray with you in your seat. You can wave me down. You can text me. I'm happy to pray with you throughout the week. I'm happy to meet you at Wendy's and we can pray. I'm happy to go to Sam's Club. Hey, meet me at Costco. Y'all think I'm kidding. <laughs> if y'all ever need to see me, that's where I be. <laughs> but let me tell you, it's not about this, even though I do believe that there is something powerful that happens when we step out. I believe that unequivocally. But some of you may step out by just lifting your hands, by lifting your voice. That may be your step out today. Then that's perfectly fine. But don't leave today without saying, God, I need to be blessed in this broken kingdom. I need your blessings. My family needs your blessings. My children need your blessings. My spouse needs your blessings. My relationships need your blessings. My future needs your blessings. My goals and my hopes and my dreams need your blessing. God, I need your blessings because this is broken. I'm broken and I won't make it without you. God bless you as you come from wherever you are and allow the power and the presence of God to bless you in this moment. I'm not enough unless you come. Will you meet me here?